For all of Gabriel's show dates and ticket links go to gabrielrutledge.com. Or don't. If you would like to support this podcast by subscribing for $5 a month, click the Substack link in the episode notes. You won't get any extra episodes, but Gabriel will think warm thoughts about you. And now it's time for the drive home with Gabriel Rutledge. Play the royalty-free hip-hop music. Now here's your host, Gabriel. I'm driving home from uh, SeaTac Airport on a very cold 20-degree Sunday morning. By the way, I saw uh, on satellite radio there's a show on Comedy Central called The Drive Home, which, uh, you know, maybe they're trying to also get hundreds of listeners. They saw how mine went. But this is the only drive home with Gabriel Rutledge. Many of my uh, comedy colleagues uh, had canceled shows across the country uh, this week because it was a big cold front. Um, not me, because I was in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Although it was like 30s at night, you know, 45 during the day, which is very cold for there. They were freaking out. They were like, I was giving them shit. I think they had to like go to the garage and find a jacket. Uh, very fun shows in uh, Glendale, Arizona, where I was at Stir Crazy Comedy Club. Uh, I think they don't always do a Thursday. They added a Thursday. We had, I think, the club holds ninety-five. We had like seventy-something there on the Thursday. We sold out for a show Friday. Pretty full. I'm going to call it three sellouts out of five. I mean, I didn't have a door deal. It didn't really affect me that much, but still nice. And, you know, talk to a lot of people who uh, follow me on Facebook and Instagram. So, I guess that shit works. Also, I was thinking about, I think this, the last show I did of the week, I think it's the first time I ever, my closing joke was a callback to another comedian's joke, just because it ended up with some crowd work thing where they were talking about the previous comic, Alfonso. Uh, I was just thinking, I don't think I've ever done that. I don't think I've ever said, remember the other guy's joke? Good night. (laughs) And that just catches a toy. (laughs) That's a rude question. How old are you? Oh, you're 33? Okay. You you said that like you were lying. (laughs) Which I don't mind. I don't mind that at all. But you're like, 33. We'll go. (laughs) Do you remember that just catch? You don't? That's okay. I got other jokes. I don't look ter- Why are you so terrified? I don't know what's happening. This is. You're in a safe place? What's that? Raise your eyebrows. Oh, from the other comedian. Okay, alright, alright. You guys steadied like this was a fucking book report. 
is gonna be on the test, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna write down eyebrows. Cause shit gets weird with the 33-year-old. Can I ask, what's your like uh, ethnicity? Hispanic? Man, you were vague as shit, lady. <laughs> Nice. Do you speak Spanish? Yeah. I think you meant C. <laughs> Little embarrassing. Uh... Anyway, you want to split a steak wrap after the show? Or... tried to record a podcast last week, uh, but I wasn't recording. I was just talking to myself, which is what I'm doing now, but with the intention of people hearing it eventually. But I thought I was recording myself, and I was just talking, because it was not recording. So, oops. Would have been the greatest podcast of all time. My first shows of the year uh, were in Tacoma, Tacoma Comedy Club, uh, and sort of, well, sort of my first experiment. I, you know, I told you guys, um, this is a year of like some business growth and experiments, and I'm doing deals where if I sell tickets, I make a lot of money, and if I don't, I don't. So that was the first experiment. Uh, that. Those five shows I did at Tacoma Comedy Club, their they're smaller room holds 100 people. But all five of them sold out. I ran some ads. I think that helped. You never really know. So, you know, if, if this is a, a year of experiments, I have to say the first experiment was a, uh, a home run. It worked. It's still Tacoma. Maybe I have a little bit of an advantage in Tacoma because so many people know me from performing in that area so many times. But also, I'm pretty overexposed in that area. I do a lot of shows there. You know, so I don't know. It could go either way. I could sell less tickets in Dayton, Ohio because not as many people know me there. I could sell more because uh, I haven't been there in four years. We'll see. One of the comics I was working with this week was asking me... Uh, If I, uh, I thought crowd responses were different now that people are like coming to see me on purpose or, I mean, they always can to see me on purpose, but they know who I am. They're familiar with my work much more than they used to be. And he was like, do you think the crowds are like, are you getting bigger laughs? And, uh, I thought about that and I don't think I am. 
I think that's about the same. But I... The biggest difference between now and a couple years ago is when they say, please welcome Gabriel Rutledge. People are excited. I used to only get that in very few places, like when I did a show in Olympia or, you know, it... I'm not saying no one ever knew who I was when I performed, but it's just a different, it's very different. Most of my, uh, most of my comedy career, I could just walk through the crowd before the show started, and maybe a couple of people would be like, oh, are you the guy? Because they saw me on the poster or whatever. And, uh, that's not the case anymore. Like, I poke my head out to just watch the show and people start waving at me and pointing. I'm like, oh, okay. I'll stay in the green room. You're like, oh, are you too big? You're too famous now, Rutledge? Yeah, I am. I need security. A lady brought me cookies. my cat died. That's the big news. In my family anyway, is uh, we had to put our cat Dawn down. But before I get to that, I just it's like so sweet that this lady brought me a little uh, box of cookies because I had mentioned, I think on Instagram that our cat died. Uh, But also I didn't eat them. I don't know what the the protocol is on that. I feel weird about it. I mean, obviously, do I really think someone would poison me with cookies who was also saying, sorry, your cat died? No. But it just felt weird. I'm not going out like Selena. Then one of the waitresses ate them, and she seemed fine. But yeah, sad news. Uh, I think January second, we had to put our cat Don down. Uh, which you, I mean, I, I assume most people listening have had to do that at some point in their life. It's rough, and like, also he, Don was the fucking best man. I feel like we all get a pet or two in our life that's like the pet of our lifetime and like he was this the he was the coolest cat man. He was such a part like two of my daughters don't know life without him. He was 16 and a half. We got him when my son was 5 and he's my son's 21 now. So, it's, you know, we have all these pictures of, you know, when my kids were babies, they're putting Don in the stroller and pushing him around, and, you know, my wife's breastfeeding babies and Don sitting on her at the same time. He was just like, I don't know, it's, it's really weird. I mean, it's already getting kind of used to it, but it's just really weird to be like, Oh, there's where Dawn always slept in front of the dryer. There's where, you know, 
But at the same time, uh, you know, he was very old. He'd had a couple of major health things in his life already. I mean, my wife was keeping that little fucker alive, giving him four pills a day. Uh, there was, I think it was pancreatitis at one point almost killed him. And we had to, we had to, uh, feed him through a feeding tube in his neck for like weeks. I mean, this cat's been through it. Uh, he, he was breathing very heavily. So we took him in and then, um, It was, uh, he'd had heart failure, and it was kind of, you know, it's one of those things where they're like, he's, we can fix it, sort of, but you can't fix heart failure, and he's already very old, and he's never going to be like he used to be, and I was, I was, I took him in because my wife had to go to lunch, uh, and at first, like, when the vet's telling me these things, uh, I was like, oh, I wish my wife was here to, like, make this decision. And then I sort of realized there is not. I can't, you know, it's time. And it was, you know what? It was much more emotional than I thought it was going to be. Because I would, I mean, when I was taking him to the vet, I'm like, this could be it. The whole family knew. You know, when you're 16 and a half year old cat barely moves, is like, has sucking deep chest breathing, and you're taking him to the vet, you're like, obviously, that he might not be coming back, and I was very, like, intellectually prepared for it, sort of like, I can't believe we've had him this long, you know, (laughs) when a 16 and a half year old cat dies, it's not, it's like when a 90 year old person dies, like, what happened? Was it a skydiving accident? He just got, he got too old to live. But when I had to make the decision, you know, that, yeah, let's, let's put him down. Man, it hit me to have to say it. And uh, especially in a waiting room with all the other people with their fucking dogs. And I kind of, I, I kind of felt like, isn't there a separate room? where we could have this discussion so I don't have to like cry in front of this guy who brought his ferret in there was a separate room for the family when they got there my family came down you know we said goodbye and look it's it's uh You know, we're laughing, we're crying, we're sharing stories. Uh, And I am not, like, ashamed to be, like... I'm not ashamed, like, how emotional it made me that my cat died. I take no embarrassment in that. If you know, if you are a pet person, you know... That's a different part of your brain and your heart. So I'm not, I'm not like, oh, I can't believe I'm crying that my cat died. I don't mean that at all. But there are times where, like when they're like, well, do you want to keep the ashes? And I'm like, no. 
for the rest of our life we're just going to have the ashes of our cat like on the fireplace? No. I don't even want human ashes on the fireplace. Or any other place. Yeah, let's get the ashes and spread them on the litter box. Uh, I still have a cat, by the way, buddy. But I love him less. Actually, that, you know, they they used to fight all the time when uh, Don had more energy. But, uh, you know, every once in a while, Buddy would swat at him or whatever. But, like, before we took Don into the vet, the final vet trip, uh, the, uh, like, Buddy came over and, like, sniffed him a bunch of times and then licked him. And we were like, uh-oh. <laughs> That's not a good sign either. Uh, and it wasn't. But along those lines of like, you know, look, of course it's emotional. Of course it dawns a part of our family history and uh, all of that. But sometimes, I didn't know, people were very nice on social media. I mean, a lady brought me cookies to a show. People are very sweet about it. A lot of people put, sorry, your cat Don died, D-A-W-N, which would make more sense, but no, D-O-N, Don, like a bus driver's name. My son named him. He named everything Don. We had hermit crabs that he all named Don before they died. And then we got a cat and he named that Don too. I have no idea. But people would like post these memes or gifs or gifs of like rainbow bridges. I didn't know what that meant. Apparently when you, that's a thing people say. It's a poem or a song or when your pet dies it goes over the rainbow bridge. Um... That was new to me. But I have to say, and God, I hope this person who left this comment is not going to listen to this podcast. Because I'm sure it came from a very good place. But among the condolences in the comments, someone said, someone left the comment Build a future your cat would have loved to see. And my family has not stopped laughing for over a week. Build a future your cat would have loved to see. I'm, I'm glad she left that comment. Because it's, it's really helped my family. We're, you know, we're making jokes like, Hey guys, I'm going to go shit behind the chair. It's what Don would have wanted. It's the world he would have wanted to see. Just go ahead and throw loose pieces of chicken in the hallway. Don would have loved that. <laughs> I loved my cat, but go build a future that your cat would have loved to see? Do we have to let birds loose in the house? But yeah, R.I.P. to a legend. He was such a cool cat, man. Like, you know, when people come to your house, usually cats, they just hide. But he would, like, come out. He was very social. He would jump in people's cars. We 
made it to the freeway before with him in the back of our car. He would jump into like UPS trucks and he was mean as fuck, like tough as hell. I mean, he was very sweet. He would occasionally swipe at us, but he was very sweet with the kids when they were little. And But, like, <laughs> we saw him beat up a dog once. A new neighbor moved in, and my wife was, like, introducing herself, and they had a dog. And you know how cats do that punch thing, like, psh, 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 psh. Uh, he just, like, punched the fuck out of this dog. And the dog didn't even move. It just bled. The dog was bleeding from the mouth. And my poor wife's like, welcome to the neighborhood. Our cat's a psychopath. The vet called and said they have been sharing Dawn stories at the vet since he died. I mean, they're not all good. Because, you know, we had to like drug him up before we could take him into the vet. He kind of seriously injured someone there once. I don't know if they got stitches, but they were all bandaged up because he scratched him. But he was also smart. And maybe that just stands out because uh, our cat Buddy is... They should have sent him home with us in a short bus cat carrier. He's got I guess TikTok would say he's a neurodivergent cat maybe. He's definitely got some anxiety. He'll flinch and sprint across the house if like the refrigerator door opens and it's like bro you live here. Also, I was thinking about this, just, you know, Christy and I, my wife, we used to have a podcast called The Religious, and uh, Dawn, we would record at the kitchen table, and Dawn would just walk on our laptops and equipment and always, you know, interrupt the podcast or start howling, like, wow, just like when we're trying to podcast. So we would, like, jokingly say he was our producer, like, oh, that's producer Dawn. Uh... I put him on, uh, he's mentioned in my book, Happiness Isn't Funny. He's illustrated in the the kid's book I wrote. There's no fucking way you're getting a pony. He's pictured and talked about in the book I wrote that's not even out yet, that I wrote in 2020. Like, even creatively, that cat was, like, a part of our life. Or at least mine. Like, my, my wife's a behavior tech at um, an elementary school, which means, you know, all the kids who throw chairs and bite people uh, go to her office. And she has, like, pictures of our cats because it's, like, this bonding thing with the students. They're always, like, talking about Dawn and Buddy and how's Dawn doing. Like, he had no idea because he's a cat but he would have been shocked <laughs> to be aware of how many people uh, were aware of him. And uh, my daughters and my wife, they both say um, we should get two kittens. I'm like, not just one, not just 
Okay. I'm hoping it's just one. They want a girl named Tammy and a boy named Gary. <laughs> Which does make me want to get two cats, too. Tammy and Gary is a white trash couple. God damn it, Tammy! We're out of cigarettes. Fuck you, Gary. There is a little silliness that you eat that mixed with the sadness where you're like <laughs> well they're selling this because you know my family fucks around a lot uh, you know the day after he died one of my daughters was like I miss Don and I was like oh my god what happened is he okay yeah, we fuck around but what I mean by the silliness is like to sit around and think about like Don was sweet he would you know, climb on our laps, but only when we went in one chair that I think he thought was his, so maybe it was more of an ownership thing. How much of your pet's love is just food-based? <laughs> and then they let us love them, and we accept that as love from them. He's purring because I'm petting him. Well, that's not him loving us. He never pets me. When he, uh, we couldn't go back all at the same time to say goodbye to the, the cat, uh, at the vet, but, so I went with my two daughters, and, uh, I, I feel like I should say something, I don't know why, you're like, it's like the final, so I, I said, I said thank you, which made me laugh, because, I mean, I didn't mean it, he doesn't speak English, by the way, so... Even in better health, I don't think he would have understood. Uh, I am thankful for, like, his part in my family as the cat. But if he could talk, he should have said thank you before he died. Because he... What a lucky son of a bitch, man. He could not have been better cared for, more spoiled. So anyway, I guess he went over a rainbow bridge? I don't really... Not really sure on a human afterlife, so I'm really not ready to buy in on the rainbow bridge, but anyway, I'm just trying to build a future that he would have wanted to live in. A future where you sleep twenty two to twenty three hours a day. I said that to my uh, to my kids, and when we were when we were crying and laughing and going through all of it in the like vet waiting room before they put him down, as I was like, you know, the difference between dawn alive and dead is probably about an hour a day. But I'm gonna miss that little fucker. Anything you guys want to talk about before we wrap up? Sir, Olympia! Woo! Oh, well, they got it. <laughs> Are you from Olympia? Yes. Oh, he did? Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm from Olympia, Washington. Pierce County. Pierce County? Woo! 
I'd like to apologize to the rest of the room. I, don't, I did not think this was going to happen. This is what happens when you've had legal marijuana for over a decade. This is your future. You know what we know how to do in Washington State that people struggle with here is uh, wear a fucking jacket. I've never seen a more panicky group of people that it hit 48 fucking degrees. Because <laughs> you're like digging through the closet. One more. What are we to do? Costco probably has something. Let's go to Costco. We need a Kirkland signature. Fuck, it's cold. I walked to the show tonight. Uh, and someone rolled down their window, <laughs> drove by, and they were like, are you okay? You need a right, I mean, I know I look like it's my first day homeless, but still. There's a lot of talk about uh, group sex. Did wow. someone uh, pressure you into that? That's the point. Yeah, the whole fucking group. <laughs> no, I've never, I've never, I said that earlier. I've never, I've never had group sex. I'm getting a real my wife and I like your vibe. I mean, honestly, if he, if he put glasses on, it's the same fucking thing. I don't know. You should branch out a little more. More like give your glasses to him. I could give my glasses to him. I don't, I don't like what's happening right now. I fucking threw it out there, didn't I? This is what you get. We're actually, um, when the comedy show's done, they do lock the doors and we all are fucking. I'm so sorry. Until you've had an orgy in an outdoor mall. You ain't party. That's what they do with the axe throwing bar. Fuck is that legal, by the way? I mean, every step of government is so complicated. Red tape, you have a car, you need tabs, you need a license to catch a trout. And then they're like, axe throwing bar? I don't see what could possibly go wrong. I mean, that's, that's a lot better than our machine gun martini bar idea. My uh, comedy special, I think, is almost done. Uh... That doesn't mean it's coming out, but I think it's almost done, and then at that point it's getting pitched to different people, I think. And look, there's very, you know, part of being a comedian, my wife and I have learned her against her will, is it's a constant state of dissatisfaction. There's so few things that I do or any of my comedian brethren or sister and do that are like that was perfect it was everything I wanted you know all the way back to like the TV appearances I've made where it was like you know they were you know Comedy Central the first one it was huge for me but it was like ah wanted it to be better my set was okay it was a little weird you know I 
actually the only the only TV set I ever did that I really liked as far as like after I taped it if they would have been like do you want to do it again tomorrow I would have been like no I think I got it because I, I was just happy with how my set was but I ended up not being that happy with it because I was I was pretty fat at the time and uh, you know the camera adds uh, about 15 pounds and I'd already added a good 30 with donuts so the camera really does add weight. The few times in my life I have seen like a famous actress in person, it's sometimes shocking how small they are. Like to the point where you're like, are you okay? I hope the wind blows you in the direction of a sandwich because you look malnourished. Uh, but also... They made, they got, they chose wardrobe for me. They made me wear this, like, blue shirt that kind of looked like an Everybody Loves Raymond shirt. Ah! Yeah, brah! And it was, I was overweight, but it was huge. The shirt was huge. It made me look even bigger. You can't, there's no evidence of that show existing anymore. It's, unless it's behind a paywall somewhere. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, because it was, uh, it was tough for me to look at, even though I was pretty happy with how the comedy set turned out. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not freaking out about, uh, the special that will be called Nectarine that I taped last year because I freaked out about the dry bar one. Like, I, you know, I did it in front of 35 people, uh, during COVID wearing masks, socially distanced. I was really unhappy with how it felt. And I was really afraid I was going to be professionally embarrassed because it was going to be so bad. And it turned out fine, and it's been great for my career. So uh, I really got too fired up about that one. But that being said, when I was done taping Nectarine at the Spokane Comedy Club, I felt really good about it. The first show was perfect. The second show wasn't great because of drunk people, but we already got the first show. I felt great about it. I think it will sound good. I think it will look good as far as camera quality. But, you know, this company just, I don't think they'd ever done a comedy special before. And there's some weird camera angle choices. There's just like, I mean, it's a comedy special. Just show the person doing the jokes, like, from the feet up, from the waist up, from the chest up, an occasional side angle, an occasional crowd shot, and crowd shots are mostly used for editing, like, they, if you see someone, if you see a crowd shot in a comedy special, a lot of times it's so they can cut away from whatever happened on stage, and then cut back in with something they want to show you on stage. It's like an editing tool. In fact, I know someone who, I can't, I think they saw, they went to see Patton Oswalt at the Moore Theater in Seattle, and they ended up seeing themselves in the crowd in an Ali Wong comedy special because it was the same production company at the same theater. And so they just used a different show for a crowd reaction shot.
My dry bar special has one like that. My dry bar special in the room, I have a joke about saying someone said I looked like Chubby Jesus. The end of the joke, I say, I bet Jesus never got called a fat Foo Fighter. In the room, the sound that I heard was 35 people who groaned for some reason. A, a small laugh and a groan. And I remember thinking from stage, like, we might have to cut that joke. But no, because they they added in a laugh from a different time. They showed a crowd shot of a crowd that was not mine, where no one was wearing masks. And thank you, Drybar. I appreciate that. When, when I put that clip out and I got comments that were like, oh my God, that... That Foo Fighter line was hilarious. I want to. I want to respond like, well, the people in the room didn't think so, but thank you. But anyway, so you know, on this special that I, uh, it's going to come out. It's they'll they'll show crowd reaction shots, not because of an applause break or the end of a joke, just the middle of a joke, four or five seconds of a joke. Occasionally, it's just. A picture of the crowd for no reason, no editing reason. There's kind of some far back, farther back shots than I would like to see. There's this side angle they keep showing that I don't know why. So look, I know I'm going to be much more uh, anal about no one's watching comedy clips or a comedy special going like, you know, I I wonder how it's shot. I wonder what angles they're going to use. But man, I wish, I just wish I could have watched it and been like, this is perfect. Um, well, I already wouldn't have said that because I was so sweaty by the end of that special. My hair starts out looking tremendous and it ends up uh, looking like I just got out of the bathtub. My next special, I'm combing my hair in the middle of it. (laughs) So, do I think it's going to be terrible? No. Am I a little bummed at some of the camera angle choices? Yeah, I am. Uh, But I still think it'll be the best thing I ever put out. You just might have to look at it from a strange angle. I don't know. It's like however many number of cameras they had, they were like, it needs to be equal. It's not equal. There's more uh, There's more face-on shots than anything else still, but it should be. Usually, I've been watching, usually a comedy special, if they show like a faraway angle or a side angle, it's for like a second or two. And then it's right back to the the face which reminds me speaking of my face someone uh, there's someone every video I put out he comments we love chubby Jesus it's the same joke I haven't done the joke in forever but you know it lives on the internet and I don't it's like he's bullying me with my own joke I don't know what I'm supposed to say thanks for watching that one time 
You think I looked like Chubby Jesus during Dry Bar? You should have seen me during Nick Mom Night Out. I looked like pre-diabetic Jesus. Turned water into insulin. But some he commented again. He commented on a video. We love you, Chubby Jesus. And someone like sort of came to my defense, but it ended up. <laughs> even people, even people say nice things about me. It ends up painful. She responded to him, Chubby Jesus. Look at those arms. Don't let the round face fool you. Thank you for the compliment on my arms. Um, I have upped my shake weight workouts. Could have done without the round face. I was at a funeral one time uh, for my cat. No, I'm not doing that either. Uh, I was at a funeral one time uh, for my mom's side of the family and some aunt or something, I don't even know. Cousin, who knows? She was telling me how I looked like my Uncle Tom, my great Uncle Tom. And she was like, you're just both so full in the face. There's no crunches for your face. And you can't suck your head in, as I've said on stage before. Anyway, um, thanks for listening. Almost home. So we're going to call that a podcast. Bye!